Fashion Breakdown Podcast, a rewatch podcast for the essential TV show Mad Men. My name is Fola Olakoni. And my name is Helen Varley. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate, comment and subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so on Twitter, which is at breakdown underscore old, or email us on oldfashion.breakdown at gmail.com. This week, we'll be looking at season two, episode two, entitled Flight One. Yes. You know, we could, I was thinking we could do that. We could like pre-record that and then, no, actually we couldn't, could we? Because it's a different name of the show. Sorry, I'm just thinking out loud. Uh, in this episode, <laughs> <laughs> in this episode, I'm going to call out. In this episode, Pete gets some tragic news. Don has to end a business partnership and Peggy takes a vacuum cleaner back to her mum. That's what you got from that? <laughs> That's what the I got from it. The vacuum cleaner? Oh my God. Is that not what you got from it? I mean... What did you get from it? What did you think of this episode? Uh, I, I, I like this episode. I thought it was really good. Wow, that's really interesting because I would say this is probably my least favourite episode. So oh far. no! <laughs> I really enjoyed this episode. I think it was full of like... Ah, moments. Oh, wow. Cool. Like, I mean, you had the ah moment where it was like, when well, you found out what happened to Peggy's baby. Right. You had the ah moment when you found out that Joan was 31. <laughs> you had the ah moment when it was like, I don't know, Pete actually showed that he has some humane characteristics. <laughs> did he really, though? Yes, I think he did. I'm okay. going to give Pete some credit this episode. But he, like, he, he was... So I think, though, so you could say he almost did i think no i think he did okay i think he did i uh, think there's like so many layers to ex- him in this episode expand on that where should we start let's start when let's you find let's, well let's start with pete shall we yeah let's start with him finding out about his dad i mean he just didn't know how to deal with it did he no he didn't he didn't know how to deal with it so he went to find daddy Don. yep to go and find out what he should do mm-hmm. what did you what did you think this episode was about I think well it was all about that wasn't it it's like what you should do versus what you want to do (laughs) that's what it's all about you look that up you must have looked that up no serious no that's what they're all doing they're all doing things that they they're all thinking about um what they should be doing versus what they do do if you see what I mean (laughs) cracked out a do do there I totally totally, totally. but I think you know I think all the characters go for that I mean with Peggy you know she should be looking after the baby but instead she's getting shit faced and like (laughs) you know leading men on and then not fucking them what a little prick tease she is this episode um and then I think even with like even with like even with like Joan I mean she proper puts it on Paul, doesn't she over yeah. his over his girlfriend Shirley? Um, is it Shirley. Yeah, I think it is Shirley. Sheila. 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 Um, but she proper is like, oh yeah, you're you're only doing that because you want people to think that you're different or you're this bohemian cool guy yeah, who yeah. like lives in his own apartment and stuff. Yeah. You're only doing that to be different. <laughs> and you know, it's one of those where it's just sort of like she sort of sees right through him, and he's really pissed off about it <laughs> yeah. but 
at the same time, you know, she's high. She's been hiding how old she is from everyone, and when she's found out, she's pissed off too. Yeah, yeah. So true. it's like it's that everyone. It's everyone's front versus, you know, what's really going on behind them. I mean, and I think you saw a lot of redeeming features of a lot of characters. I mean, I think for, you know, again, for Don today, yeah. or you know, yeah, in the episode, you see, you see a much more like he's actually less of a douchebag than the other executives yeah, because he wants to honor the promises that he made to mohawk airlines yeah. and i think you can he genuinely feels the guilt but the thing is how he comes across the guy's like you tricked me <laughs> you know and it's like you just feel so sorry for them because they're stuck in this sort of like web of lies and creations that they've made of themselves mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yeah and then you know that that's just become who they are Yep. Well, there you go. That's the end of the show. Okay. Everyone. Thanks. <laughs> kind of. Uh, we just we just finished up. This is a new record. How, how many minutes is that? That's about uh, ten minutes. So nice. Not even that. Not even that. Well, actually, um, a lot of that was just us fluffing up the introduction, so it wasn't even that long. <laughs> That's amazing. Like, um, you know, as as we've always said on this show, you tend to just kind of watch it once and then make it remind. Yeah, about it. I watched it. About three hours ago. <laughs> and I tend to spend the whole week sort of like researching <laughs> it and trying to work out. And um, I've got this, um, I've got this uh, DVD set of things and Blu-rays and stuff. And there's literally like, a, <laughs> there's a, like a commentary track where uh, Matthew Weiner goes through the whole episode mm. and basically says, not as much as you just said, but basically that. So, ah, oh, look at me. He, me and him should be best buddies. So we should. Um, but there's other things in this episode as well, I think. Um, and but like I said, I as much as that's basically it. That like you've pretty much nailed it. I think there's um, there are other things that. Okay, so for instance. I think the episode ends on this whole this this song. I can't remember what it's called now. Something about temptation. The temptation. But do you do you no. did you you don't remember the song? No. I can't remember what it's called. I should have written it down. Um, but I feel like there's a lot in this episode about you know like like you say what you should do versus what what you want to do. But um, on top of that, there's this thing of like what people tell you to do. Yeah. And. I think, like for instance, the I, bet, I think my favorite ep- my favorite scene in the episode is the one with, um, you know, Pete's mum. Yes, I really like that that scene because it's kind of it almost it's. I think one of the things. So going deeper into things and sort of maybe trying to confuse people. Like I keep talking about Lacan. I keep talking about the Big Other, right? Mm. And the big other is this kind of... So, there's also this thing called the name of the father, which is like right. really, really out of the concept. But the name of the father is basically this thing where, um, as a person, right, as you and me and or whatever, we all have like... We might not know our fathers that well, but the fact that we have a father and we have any kind of semblance of that person kind of gives us an idea of who we are, if that makes any sense. Sure. So, so, like, from, you know, fathers are generally tend to be quite uh, prohibitive and they kind of, like, their, their big thing is, like, no, you can't do this, no, you can't do that. It's, like, giving you sort of, like, boundaries and rules on how to deal with things. So, the I think the fact that Pete loses his father in this episode 
is kind of what happens when he doesn't know what to do and he's kind of like confused about things. No, I don't think it's that at all. Really? I don't think it's that. No, no. <laughs> okay, okay. So here was my interpretation of that go on, whole go. incident. Go I think the reason, I mean, it's a shock for him. Yeah. He goes to see Don. Don's like, go home. And yeah. I think that's almost the last thing Pete wants to do is go home. Right. And I think he spends the whole episode wondering why he's not sad. And the reason he's not sad is because he didn't like his dad. Right, okay. And I think that's why he sort of has to go through all these motions. And I think at the end, it's he's got a, he's got a combination of sort of like... Because the reason he ends up, you know, joining Duck and going to that meeting is because he realises that he valued his job more than he valued his father. Um, I would... I th- I think there's some some I agree with some of that. Like I I think obviously he was like really manipulated by Duck to kind of go and do that in the first place. Um, I don't think I don't maybe. Well, that's the thing. I guess what I'm saying is maybe like even that still stands with this name of the father thing because the name of the father is not it's not necessarily that you love your dad or you're kind of it's the fact that you know who he is. Yes, it kind of gives you almost like your morals in a way so like your sort of way of looking at the world so the fact that you say that like he doesn't like his dad fair enough and he could st- he could still use that as a kind of reason for him to go ahead and manipulate all these people and i think that's kind of what the whole idea of temptation is about and how if you i, I don't know if there's, there's a an example of someone who does love their dad in the episode but there's a lot around dads in the episode. Yes. If you think about like... Um, well, there's Peggy's Peggy's dad is mentioned. Peggy's dad's mentioned. And obviously Don's dad was killed. We know that. And Don is a father to his son. Who's kind Pete's of a like, father, but he doesn't know it. And Pete's a father, he doesn't know it, yeah. And there's this whole thing of like Don... Hang on, what was, that? What was my other point? I was talking about the, the um, name of the father and the, the, mm-hmm. um, the, uh, the mother scene, right? So in that scene, there's... <laughs> you've got the... What I really like about the scene, you've got the the two wives yes. on either side of the mother and they're almost like kind of one's good and one's bad. It seems like to me, I don't know if you if you felt that, where she, where I think um, Peggy's, no, um, Pete's wife, not Pete's wife, uh, Pete's brother's wife yes. says something really weird about, she's, like yes i remember what did she say she says something like um it's about keeping th- oh a bouquet of thoughts or something isn't yeah, it yeah yes yes so bouquet of thoughts so okay so the reason that kind of stuck out to me is there's this thing and i'm not gonna try and explain this but the kind ideal about remember we talked about the mirror phase mm-hmm. and how um uh you kind of like you have like two 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 people and they kind of compete against each other um so the thing about the mirror phase is it's like it happens when you have two opposite people and one person kind of almost learns from the other but it's like it's almost like a, a love-hate relationship between two people so it's kind of best shown in this the episode red in the face yes so the two of them like kind of like almost the same person kind of jealous of each other love each other so it's kind of like this warring partnership between the two and that's kind of what you see with um it's very subtle but you kind of see that with um 
um, Trudy, Trudy and, and Trudy and, and her sister-in-law. Yeah. And what's and I think because in that scene, um, um, they pick up this um, pink elephant. Pink elephant. Yeah. yeah. So they're like the elephant in the room, right? Yeah. And I feel like the elephant in the room is this thing, this name of the father, this kind of this mediating presence um, that allows people that are generally against each other to kind of like come together. Does that make sense? I'm like, because I, I feel like this is like new stuff that I'm just really trying to get my head around now. And another way to describe it, right, is there's a bit, you know, when they're all in the meeting room and Don and Duck's trying to sell um, American Airlines. Yeah, trying, yeah. To, trying to sell them. And he says something really rude and like peak and, and, and Don kind of like steps up to, to Duck to kind of like almost like to fight him. And, um, uh, Roger tells him to back down. Mm. That's kind of mm. like a, that's that's what I mean by a mediating sort of presence. Something there to stop these two sort of similar things from like fighting each other. Um, you can also see that in that same scene where um, uh, what's his name um, Cooper. Uh, so there's a bit where Duck's trying to explain it, and he says, "Yeah, I've just had this. I've just had this meeting with this guy, and I'm." Uh, Don looks at Cooper and says, "What does this mean?" And it's like it's like Cooper, the father of the whole thing, mm. is explaining everything to you. So he, so Don is effectively looking towards Cooper for meaning. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So I kind of, that's kind of where I'm kind of at with it. Sort of like not just like sticking on the the main thing of like um, what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Although that is obviously the biggest thing about it. Um, but yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of other scenes in there as well that kind of illustrate the point. What else did you like about this? Um, I well, I mean, like I said, I think Don's character progression through this episode is really interesting. Mm. So, I mean, I think you see his relationship with his son. I mean, there's that whole lovely bit where his son's like just stuffing his face with M and M's, and then he's making the daughter make him drinks, which I love. I was so like, when he's like, you don't smash the cherry on the top of a Tom <laughs> Collins. She's just bringing them in in her pyjamas. Bless her. There was another thing that came up about that that I thought was really interesting was that, you know, so Don's at home with this, with his kids and, and, and these people come around and there's this guy trying to sort of like, I can't remember his name, his name's um, Carlton. Mm. And he's trying to sort of like talk to Don in like, you know, a friendly kind of like, um, what's the word? Um, mano e mano kind of way and um, he's talking to him about this like young girl that he's kind mm, of like babysit <laughs> yeah, yeah he's trying to be all kind of like uh, sleazy about it and Don's very much like nah I'm not talking about that I don't get, you know don't get me into trouble and uh, I'm not interested and at the same time he's um, he's teaching his daughter how to how to make um, cocktails and stuff and to me, it's kind of, there's this thing, there's this idea that, there's another idea that I, I, I heard on another podcast where they were talking about how there's a lot in this episode about work versus home and how the two kind of shouldn't really meet. Well, that's what Don says at the beginning there. He's, he says there's work and there's life. Yeah, 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 totally. And um, and it's interesting that Don it's almost in that scene he's like uh, he, it's like Don through this whole episode is basically at work like I think when you're at work you're on your best behaviour right but he's on his best behaviour when he's at home as well because... that's what I mean that's what I'm saying oh yeah well yeah yeah definitely well I think yeah but I think he's 
but I think we've we've seen a transition in him where he's trying to be a good boy now in, yeah, the, yeah. in the moment, isn't he? He's Certainly, trying to, yeah. yeah. I think we see that at the end with the waitress and all that kind of stuff. But that's what I mean. I think the the episode does focus a lot on the fact that Don is putting in a lot of effort into being good and he trying is. his hardest to be good. Um, there's another thing that came up to me in this episode, um, which is. But we have wait, 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 what, right what, before you move on. I'm going too fast. Let's talk, let's talk about that scene a minute. Okay. Right? Because I think that scene's really interesting because of what happens with the little boy. Go on then, yeah. So he comes down, he's eating his M&Ms, he gets sent to bed. He yeah. comes back down, he's trying to let sneak an M&M. Mm-hmm. Betty spots him yeah. and is like, off to bed. Mm-hmm. He says, oh, there's a ghost up there. She doesn't believe him. No. She accuses him, at, like, Don takes him up and she says, oh, he's... You know, he, he cheated at his homework and he took credit for things that other people had done yeah. and all this sort of stuff. And you couldn't, and you could see that whole thing where it was like, well, that's kind of what you married in a sort of strange way. Um, but then it's really interesting because I think, you, you know, Don then goes upstairs to check on him and he clearly does think that he's seen a ghost because he's in bed with the sister. Yeah. And it's that element of, the believability it's like you know so perhaps he didn't trace that picture perhaps he didn't actually do that but when you're told that story you automatically believe it and even don gets a knock because he says about oh my office is full of tracing paper what do you mean well you know he says i can't remember who the person was a was it einstein or something the little boy traced traced george washington Washington, that's it yeah she said, oh, he traced George Washington off straight off the cover and blah, blah, blah. And they're all like, yeah, it's graceful. And he's like, yeah. She, she goes, yeah, you know, he's taking credit for something someone else did. Yeah. And you, you said something But he like... couldn't... But maybe he... Well, what I'm saying is maybe he didn't trace it. Maybe he oh, did see right, a ghost, okay. maybe. Okay. But the thing is, the fact is, when you heard that story, mm. you believed her. Oh, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Yeah, and yeah, then... Yeah. And that preconception is then, like, planted within you. True. So it's like, then whenever you say something, and then the whole way through, because even with the whole conversation with like Joan and Paul, she says that, and then you're like, yeah, she's probably right. <laughs> but is she right? Yeah. Like, there's nothing to say either way, mm-hmm. but you believe it because... Something about that character that you believe. Something, well, it's because, it's almost because you've heard it. It's a bit like, it's it's the danger of wow, just like making those... That's a really good point. Do you see what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. because people say things in this episode, I like... See. Oh, you know, it's even the American Airlines thing. The American Airlines thing, they've like dangled a carrot. He said something. So suddenly they're all like, I'm invested in this. I believe this is going to (laughs) happen. I believe it might blow up in the face. But, you know, at the same time, you can tell that they've like, he said this. And they're all like, oh, it's such an interesting phone call. (laughs) And it's like, but you already, and and Don's just going, well, you've already got this. Come on, you've got one. There's nothing concrete. Exactly, it's fairy yeah. dust. I totally get what you're saying because that was another thing that I. That's what. That's another thing about that elephant in the room as well, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just this thing that kind of like it's there, but nobody knows for sure if there's kind of anything's going to come of it or what it even is. Um, and with grief, everyone expects you to cry. Everyone expects you to be sad. And the thing that makes me laugh in that parlor scene with the the with the wives and the and you know his husband. Um, sorry, her husband, uh, the Pete's brother. Yeah, Pete's brother. I don't know any of their names in that scene. <laughs> I don't do um, but what's interesting about that is they—they're all there, and they sort of the elephant in the room is that they should all be more upset 
and right. nobody is that upset in yeah. that. I mean, the only one that's kind of upset is the guy who's like, oh yeah, he spent all our inheritance on oysters. <laughs> like, and that's what he's annoyed about. No one's grieving, no one's sad. And it's like, there's a part of you that's like, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. There's a lot. Yeah. That's what people tell me I should do. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's like, and you believe that and you're like, well, I'm doing it wrong. Cause, mm. And that's what I think Pete's trying to struggle with. Cause he's like, why? I'm supposed to be doing this thing because everyone's telling me yeah. that this is what I should be doing and this is what I should be going through, but I'm not, he's not going through it. Um, when you mentioned the, uh, when you mentioned George Washington, I kind of wrote a bunch of stuff about George Washington on here, which kind of, I think feeds into, well, at least my idea of his father thing. Cause George Washington obviously famous for the ax and the tree and like not, I did not do, I cannot tell a lie and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so tracing comes up and like tracing is this thing of like, again with the father thing where you kind of, you learn from your father how to do things. So you're very, you learn from copying. You learn from copying, yeah. So you kind of do the same thing. It kind of gives you an idea of how to live your life. George Washington obviously said, I cannot tell a lie because that's something that, you know, that's something you should do. You should not, you should always tell the truth. Um, the whole story is a myth and like the whole idea of the name of the father is really a myth it's kind of like what the, the father in the name of the father isn't necessarily your father it's kind of this idea of the father this idealized person who kind of does everything right mm -hmm. so it's kind of like it's a myth in that in that in that respect and obviously george washington's father died when he was 11 years old so fucking it all kind of like it all kind of um seems to make sense and kind of like fall into the the thing I don't know how do you know anything about the game Pinochle? No. Okay, that's a shame because I think that's got something to do with it. That's the game that they're playing, and I just don't know the rules. I was kind of looking up the rules, and it's really so complicated. So I didn't really know what, where to go with that. But and normally I probably would look into it and try and work it out. But for some reason I've been really busy this week. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I draw the line at looking up what pinochle is. <laughs> you don't need to. You seem to be doing fine. I just, I just guess how it works. Uh, what do you think of the party? Like the whole party at the beginning. Um, I mean, I thought I, I do you know what actually the party had one of my favourite moments in it, which is Sal and his wife, oh, yeah. who is secretly a gay man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, yeah. she should be. Like, I love how they're just having that lovely little moment where they're just pissing themselves at Ken, trying to hit on all these women. I mean, it's kind of, there's the whole thing again of, like, what you should do. Well, Ken at one point puts his hand where it shouldn't be. And um, them two obviously shouldn't be watching as Ken is doing all that stuff. So that's kind of all obviously, kind of <laughs> like, there in front of your face. Um, I liked the scene with... Oh, I'll tell you what I liked in this scene. In my favorite part of this scene, go on, because it it points to one of my favorite parts of, of Mad Men in the, of, as a whole, right? Um, it's the bit where um, Paul is talking to Joan and Sheila, right? Yeah. And this is another thing about um, that mediating presence, you know. So you've got these two girls, and then Paul's there, and they're getting on with each other quite well. Mm. And then Paul goes away, and then. <laughs> Joan turns into a massive racist. Anyway, um, it's not that part that I, that, I, that I love. It's the part where, so Paul's standing there talking, and then someone shouts, "The man from upstairs is here to oh. see you." It's about smoking, so he can smell marijuana. He smells marijuana, yeah. yeah. And and Paul shouts back, "Is it God?" And he goes, "No, it's someone about someone who wants to talk about marijuana." But the reason I found it really interesting is because to me it nods back to that big scene in um, Ladies' Room 
where Paul's showing Peggy around the building and he says when he gets to what I called the superego mm. um, part of the, the journey um, he says don't let the man from upstairs if the man from upstairs if you see the man from upstairs you're in trouble and I even at the time I was saying that that kind of that's like God that's like a, a, a sort of like talk about God and and that's another theme I think that's in this episode is this idea of the superego and how it works um, so the superego is the the thing in your brain that gives you guilt or makes you feel good about certain things. So it's, it is that kind of thing of like what you should do and what you what you're what you want to do. And it's the two things that kind of. <laughs> you have to talk about my superego a bit more after this <laughs> podcast is finished recording. <laughs> Why? Because I mean, when I came in, we had like the biggest discussion about my guilt around a certain situation. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. But it's like, I mean, I think I have that, but like times 20, because I just... Do you want to talk about it? I mean, you you want me to go into it? (laughs) Let's let's not go into it. I mean, I can tell you. You could do. But let's not. Let's not. not. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so yeah, there's a lot of that, like kind of, again, it's like that thing of, like Don at the end when he's kind of makes the right choice to not go off with that... um, Sexy waitress. Sexy waitress, Mm. yeah. And also when he walks off, this is just like another nod to one of the earlier episodes. When he walks off screen in that scene, it reminds me of, remember in the in the pilot episode where Pete gets turned down by that girl and there's that sort of transition where they sort of do that thing with the velvet, you know, the velvet curtain? Very vague. Remember when he's in the... He's I remember him being in the bar. In the bar and the girls... And he gets rejected, yeah. he gets rejected and he sits there sulking and then like this hand sort of rushes up against this velvet sort of like these red kind of ropes mm. kind of hanging down. And I feel like Don walking off looks like that. It kind of like looks almost exactly the same as this kind of hand brushing against the thing. And it kind of reminds that to me was like all about the pleasure principle and the reality principle do you remember me talking about that and what it means um yeah. <laughs> ella's nodding but every nod she makes looks like a head shake something <laughs> little head spasms over here. um so the pleasure principle is like when you're a baby you kind of when you cry for something you want it straight away and the reality principle is obviously you get older and you realize that you can't have what you want straight away. So you, you're patient. And that's kind Ugh. of what Don is doing. He's mm. been trying to be patient, trying to be a grown up, but not quite. You don't know how much it's affecting him, really. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I mean, that, that seems interesting because I feel like I feel like you're you're spot on with this father thing, because I think the father thing is kind of like. They then translate, to me anyway, mm. if I'm just adopting your theory, yeah. to the two heads of the airlines. So you've got oh, one yeah. you've got one head who's like, has the, all the power. Yeah. It's like, mm, I don't know, I don't know. And then he, he, the only way to make him sort of back down a bit is when one of the people he's with confesses that he effectively killed his father. Not yeah, obviously... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. on purpose yeah, yeah, totally. and that's the thing that makes him stand down yeah. the other guy the one Don meets from Mohawk comes in and he's like I love this restaurant it reminds me of Pearl Harbor <laughs> and the thing is he, but he's but the thing is the whole thing is, is he knows that Don's gonna surrender 
doesn't he? That's what that's what this is all about. Okay. This meeting is he knows that this is what's going to happen. Yeah, he knows that he knows that that's going to happen. And he hopes that Don is going to continue to fight, but the fact is he's come to wave his little white flag and saying, "We're surrender because we want to go because we're going to chase this other dream." I didn't see it like well, I didn't see it like that exactly. I think I see where you're coming from, but what I the reason I laughed when you said Pearl Harbor um, I'm just trying to find it in my notes here. Um, is that Pearl... Because he, he, what he actually says is, this place reminds you of Pearl Harbor for a number of reasons, mm. right? And I looked up Pearl Harbor, obviously. And, um, oh my God, the amount of things... Yeah. <laughs> the amount of things that happened at Pearl Harbor that kind of re- that relate to this episode. So um, Japan was... J- Japan attacked uh, Pearl Harbor without a declaration of war. Or any explicit explicit warnings. There you go. That they did something that they shouldn't do. Um, The US officials ignored any warning signs uh, that attack could be a thing. So they kind of... Which is the Mohawk guy. Yeah, so they did. Yeah, they kind of just pretended that it wasn't going to happen. The USA was forced to do the right thing and join the war as a result. So they kind of, you know, something you should do. Um, And yeah, so the Japanese lied about peace. So, yeah, so the Japanese, they, they literally said, they, they didn't really lie. They kind of um, explained it in a very kind of, you know, like the way Joan kind of talks to Sheila. And yeah, yeah. Of, like, very racist without actually being racist. Like, the Japanese people were like, they said, our deceptive diplomacy is steadily, they, they literally said in their own notes, our deceptive diplomacy is steadily proceeding towards success. This was before. So they kind of, they, they lied to the Americans about how they were sort of like friendly with them just so they could drop the bomb on them basically and and despite all that um, Japan still lost the war so without so even though they were kind of like treacherous and all this kind of stuff and that's kind of I think what um, what Pete is kind of at the end of the day is quite uh, what he does is quite treacherous I'm not obviously I'm not trying to spoil anything but you know it doesn't kind of work out what? <laughs> Spoiler alert. I'm not spoiling anything. I'm just saying it might not work out for them. Well, I mean, I said to you, I mean, I don't think they're going to... I didn't... I've never thought they're going to get American Airlines. I mean, that guy's being a right jerk off, isn't he? <laughs> like, you know, you just look... I mean, that's what I think. You, you see the Mohawk man and he's quite like, I trusted you, Don. Well, and then the other guy's just like, well, we haven't quite made any decisions yet. Just drinking their whiskey that they've paid for for him. One of the th- one of the things that um, Matthew Weiner says is they literally picks that guy because he looks he looks like he could be um, Don's father. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Ah, that's funny. He does look like it was well, doesn't he? And did you know? Just sidebar. Yeah. So at the end, it's got like a in memory of, and yeah. that's the guy yeah, that's who the guy. played Pete's dad yeah. in the first season. Yeah. Like he's only in one, one episode, yeah. isn't he? He actually died. Yeah. But I was like, whoa! And then I looked up how he died in like an avalanche and a ski. That's nuts, isn't it? I know, fucking hell. <laughs> um, it's rough. What do you think about Jones? Um, what do you think about Joan in this episode? I think. Joan, and I was disappointed with Joan, I've got to be honest. I think everybody is. Yeah, I feel like, you know, she was just, she was a, a dick to Sheila. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no denying it. She's been, a, she's a dick to Paul. She was a bit of a dick to Peggy. She's like, so, it's really interesting how she's, 
how she says all that stuff to Sheila without really saying anything. She's really, really rude to her. She's condescending. She's like racist. She's all these things. And she doesn't say anything. And it's almost like, so that scene, we then go on further on in the show and then you see the scene with um, Duck talking to Pete, right? Right. Pete's being, Pete's doing exactly the same thing. Pete's kind of like, he's being really underhand. He's saying one thing, but he's basically trying to manipulate trying to mess with Pete's feelings yeah. to get him to do this thing. And then I think as soon as that scene ends, you see the hand go in for the bag. And it's the same, obviously, bright red bag. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just pay attention to this bag, uh, which we can only assume because we never, they never tell us because it's all ambiguous. Um, they never, uh, it, you could assume that that bag is taken from, by Paul. Mm. and paul is when 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 betty when joan starts talking she starts doing that big speech at the end um i think there's something about that speech that just kind of i think it's it says more than 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 what you just said which is really really cool which i I didn't really realize the fact that she gets really angry Mm. even though she's in the same way that um that that paul gets angry i think it's really like there's so much stuff that she says in that that speech that I kind of I don't know there's let me see what did I write I kind of said um Joni's very much of her Joni's very much of her time she lives her life to the best of her abilities to get the most out of it and to a certain standard she succeeded but things move on and continue to change and yes you should never reveal a woman's age you know another thing that you shouldn't do um but the show telling us Joan's age tells us her view on the world is getting outdated as her as her her views I think she knows who put the note there well I think she assumes along with the rest of us that it was Paul and did it because of what she said to him and that scares her because all she because it's all she knows she didn't know she was being bad she was just being herself which is a massive racist do you know do you know what I mean so, do you know what I mean like she the reason she gets so angry isn't because like with Paul, like Paul gets angry because he's being told told that he's being pretentious and he's not live, he's not being his but, authentic self. And I feel like maybe he is being his authentic self. Maybe that's just the way he is. But no, I don't think that's the point. Okay. I think the point is yes, you're right. Joan is being herself, yeah. but she's telling Paul things that he might not have known about his own self. Right. Okay. In the sense that, and then he does exactly, he, she basically rips down this mask yeah. or this, this way that, you know, when you believe you're a certain way, like I believe that I'm funny. And then yeah. if someone came up to me and was like, you're literally the least funny person in the world, <laughs> yeah. it would probably make me really angry right, or, you yeah. know, whatever, because that's the person that I've designed myself as in my head, whether it's true or not, yeah. not really for me to decide, but yeah. But, you know, she goes in and she says, oh, you're only doing it to make me jealous, you know, all this sort of stuff. And yes, there's probably some truth of that and the truth hurts, Yeah. right? And he does exactly the same thing to her. Because yeah. thing is, she's obviously got this high opinion of herself. We know that because at the party, she sort of says, she calls herself the office manager rather than being like <laughs> yeah. lead receptionist or whatever it is, um, lead secretary or whatever. Yeah. Um, and she's obviously got a very high opinion of herself. But the one thing, her one insecurity is her age yeah and she's managed to hide it for so long and now everyone knows yeah yeah no i totally get that i I totally agree with what you're saying i'm just saying on a deeper level there's all that other stuff going on about her kind of 
being like her getting to that point in life having you know having those kind of feelings and feeling that way and so as life's moving on she's just kind of she's still being herself she's still kind of everything that she got everything she used to get to that place you know just fitting in being joan basically like becoming this person this all the Jonasness of her mm. <laughs> she's like that's kind of that's a good thing on some level that's that's what she should be in some level it works but yeah then someone telling her someone like telling her who she actually is and telling her she's a racist and telling her that she's like 31 years old and and all these things that she doesn't want to hear that really really upset her because yeah it's the truth right and and life moves on i think is what i'm trying to say yeah and that's the thing with Sheila is the first thing she goes in with, oh, is he says, oh, he he wasn't this open minded when he was going out with me. Yeah. And I think there's two, there's almost like two. First of all, it's like his his ex girlfriend's at a party, which yeah, yeah, yeah. is going to get any woman's <laughs> so, back up. I mean, it's going to piss any woman off. You should never like, do straight that. away, you know. And then the the layers of awfulness on top of that. Yeah. And it's like, and she knows exactly what to say <laughs> to piss, her, to piss off. her off. But also knowing that it'll come, because he says to them, he's like, don't talk. Yeah. Like, because he knows, he yeah, knows what she's yeah, like. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, she talks anyway. What did you think of Betty and Pete in the, talking about the dogs, the French poodles or French, what is it, French? Not Betty and Pete. Oh, Trudy, Trudy and Pete. And Pete. <laughs> what did you think of them talking? But this is, I think that conversation for me was, again, it's about perception, wasn't it? It's like, here are these two dogs. Mm. One person thought they were one thing. Another person, person thought they were the other thing. Yeah. And it's like, what were they? And Trudy is just like, they were French bulldogs. She's not even seen them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, I think there's a whole big... But I think there's also a thing there about how different people see different things. Mm. I was drawn to the fact that in the end it was Pete's dad who was right. You know, from the name of the father thing. I didn't. Fo- I didn't follow it as in who said they were French bulldogs and who said they were whatever the other one was. So yeah. So so when um, Betty tells um, Trudy. Oh God! <laughs> when Trudy, it's all these. Betty, Trudy, Peggy—they're all like the same name, basically. Are you are you being end... discriminatory about women's names <laughs> being too similar they, to they, you, Bola? I don't why, and it's like I get so confused. Um, oh. <laughs> when Trudy, when, yeah, Trudy kind of points out that like um, it's his, it's his dad was right, basically, and yeah, I feel like there's something there again with that name of the father thing but i think i think it's 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 her saying that it's i think is what makes pete feel like he's different because maybe he genuinely thought they were the other yeah so it's it's just hard it's like when you it's like when you say something is black and you're sure it's black (laughs) and then someone's like no it's like you know that like is the dress like blue or white or whatever oh, yeah, it was Do you remember yeah, that yeah. and it's like there were people who were like adamant that it was the color that you didn't think it was and you'd look at it and you'd be like no perception yeah. it's yeah it's i mean it's and that's the thing is it is perception it is like just because somebody said it's one thing doesn't mean it's not the other thing especially mm. when i mean yeah if they've been right there and they'd be able to go i guess it's also interesting the fact that like you said um 
Trudy doesn't even see the dog. She so, doesn't see the dog. So how does she actually know? And it's again that thing you said earlier where because she said it, now we all believe that, oh, yeah, it must have been, she must have been right. Yeah. That's really interesting. Look at you getting all the... Uh... <laughs> Check me out, guys. <laughs> um, and uh, let's talk about, we haven't really said much about Betty. I, did you actually mean Betty? I do mean Betty. The one with the with the vacuum cleaner. Peggy. I've been on a long run. I'm, I'm really tired. One day we're gonna get it right. <laughs> oh jeez. Okay, Peggy. Yeah, Peggy. Let's talk about Peggy. Let's talk about Peggy for the whole show, actually, because like I think Peggy's um storyline in this is really, really cool. Like so from the start, so she like you said, she starts off in this party being a young girl well that's it that's the perception right because she doesn't really want to sleep with that guy she's doing it because that's what you know copywriters or whatever she is junior copywriters do she's going she's behaving in a certain way but I don't think she wants to sleep with him I thought well (laughs) I thought she did want to sleep with him she looked pretty into him to be fair (laughs) I mean doesn't mean anything (laughs) don't say that because that's you know but I don't know I don't think <laughs> I think she's doing it I mean upsetting to me and my my own feelings about myself <laughs> I mean guys do it to girls all the fucking time <laughs> Jesus um yeah I think I think that whole party is the parade of of um who, this is who I mean even Paul coming up with his you know fancy whiskey and she's like why do you get the fancy one and he tells this whole like stupid story about how he got this like special bottle and blah 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 yeah. but at that party everyone is being who they think they are supposed to be okay right okay. and I think she thinks she's supposed to be this like wild junior copywriter getting pissed okay. you know pulling some guy like yeah. blah blah but she doesn't actually want that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. And I think she, I think she goes. I mean, I think you see with the hangover the next day. I think. Well, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe she doesn't want it. I think. What's she, it? I think what I found interesting about the kissing scene, uh, with her kissing the dude, uh, is it? It was in a hallway, and she was kind of like all up against him, in the, a very similar way to, you know, the way she snogged Pete, and but this time, she didn't sleep with him yeah maybe because she was like he's not pete i'm gonna go <laughs> do you think yeah you think i mean she... they have that look later on in the episode didn't they but they didn't have no it was she what when pete's kind of looking for someone to talk to yeah him, yeah looks, uh, and she she's looked, she's she... looking at him he's looking at her if she looked away she was like she wasn't interested in this at all yeah, but it took her a moment <laughs> okay <laughs> I thought I thought she was just pissed off. Well, me. you know, you know more than me, but I I got a whole like I clearly don't. But, um, I got a whole like he's looking at her. She has a look at him. She's like <laughs> playing it cool. No, but she's into it. I thought she was like um, that door is shut. This that's. Not I think she I think she'd go there again if she you could. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um. Anyway, let's talk more about Peggy and. So that that shot when she's when she's in bed, yeah. So I thought that was amazing, right? a magnificent shot. Yeah, it's incredible, right? And so you know a tiny bit about art and um, art history and stuff. So there's a point in that party scene where um, 
Paul mentions George Innes. Mm-hmm. Do you know anything about George Innes? Um, I remember the name, but I can't imagine the paintings at the top of my head. Do you know anything about tonalism? Tonalism. Mm, I don't know. Let so, me have a look up George Innes. So George, like, so what I found about George Innes is that he works in on um, yeah. So he, he 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 was a tonalist painter. He kind of and tonalism, as far as I understand it, is less about you know um, specific kind of objects that are being drawn, and more about the tones of those objects and how they interact with each mm. other. So it's just like you see. There's a there's a video of a woman on YouTube sort of like doing something in a tonalistic style where it's literally you're just looking at the colors and you're just kind of like you're painting the colors without really going into details on like you know outlines and all that kind of stuff and and it's all how those colors sort of blend in with each other mm-hmm. and in that party the party's really well lit too where all this there's a lot of reds in there and there's like it's all kind of you can see it's quite dark but then there's a lot of reds that kind of stand out like really bright colors within that that keep standing out and so that's one sort of like nod to tonalism i think and then obviously you see this amazing shot that literally looks like a painting of um peggy and it's got the bright reds there and it's like the green sorry the bright red of her dress and yeah, the yeah. green of the the cushions and all that kind of stuff around it and yeah I, I feel i feel like that's nodding to this idea that in real life things are kind of they do blend into each other and there isn't a right way to do something and a wrong way to do something and you know there isn't there actually isn't a way that you should be in a way that you shouldn't be it's kind of you know it depends on the situation and how you can deal with that situation right so that's why i'm saying with paul i don't think even though he comes across as this kind of really pretentious douchey <laughs> guy in this party i don't think he is i just think he's trying to deal with his breakup with um um with um joan in the best way he can it's not that he's being any less you look like you're gonna disagree with me it's not like he's being any less um authentic it's just his only way of dealing with it but i think i mean i think here's why i'm wrong no no it's not his way wrong i mean i just think that's it's human nature to throw a party and show off and show the best side of yourself yeah totally totally. that's what that's what it is that's what he's doing yeah but the thing is everyone turns up wanting to do that exact same thing like you know pete and trudy turn up and she's like you know that what she says something funny when she comes in, doesn't she? She's like, have I got something in my nose or something? Yeah, like, like she's sort of very like she goes in and, and oh, it's the whole thing of like, where did you put your coat? So we didn't, we left ours and oh, she says that awful comment about leaving the car outside, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah, she does, yeah. And then she's like, and then the woman's like, oh, we left our coats in the car, sort yeah. of thing. And you know, well, I, even when she says we left us, she says that Paul told them to leave their coats in the car and that she took her bag. Which I kind of find interesting, but you know that's that it's that whole thing of of they walk in and, and Trudy walks in in the way that she probably would have walked into a party at a cocktail party at her parents' house or whatever <laughs> because that's the world that she knows. Right. She's walked into this more bohemian type affair, and and like I said, I think they're all what my favourite phrase to call it is peacocking, which is when you're like right. basically showing off. You've got all your feathers out. You're yeah. showing off your best self. Yeah. And and the thing's fair game. Mm. And I think it's, you know, I think the the image of Peggy is really the reality of that 
situation is that she is a fucking mess <laughs> like the rest of us but at that party she seemed to have a shit so together oh yeah okay yeah 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 you that know? makes sense i'm totally i'm not gonna argue with you on that i think you're i think you're nailing it on this episode uh what else is there to talk about i can't well, find with it. peggy then she goes that we haven't talked about the scene where she goes to her mother's oh yeah that's the big thing yeah i don't understand this scene i'm not gonna lie but she doesn't want to get she, she's the prodigal she's the prodigal daughter so she's like the dawn of her generation where she she's basically gone off mm. and she sort of turns up occasionally but she doesn't really want to be part of it yeah she doesn't really want like she comes around she tries to be this is this is about her taking on the role of the good daughter even though she's not a good daughter yeah right yeah. she comes in she offers to take library books back for her or pick stuff up she does all the and her mum and she says to her mum oh, i don't i don't need anything to eat i've had something to eat and her mum takes on the role of mother and makes <laughs> her something anyway, anyway. Yeah. and it's that whole that's the whole thing is that's that's family that's kind of like in a family the roles are so defined it's all defined yeah exactly and it's kind of like you know so she comes in and it's very much this whole like all round the table thing and her, her mum's nagging her because she wants her to go to church she doesn't want to go to church she's trying to like you know stand the ground on that do you think the thought the idea that her father's not there is kind of ties into that as well i think there is something about again this mediating pro um thing between the two of them so like the sister is like the sister basically convinces her to do stuff just to make her mum happy right yes um, I think that's kind of interesting that she takes on that role where that should normally be, well, in theory, the that should normally be the role of the name of the father. I guess the name of the father's thing is quite, uh, it is a really theoretical thing and it's kind of like really just, it really just means, you remember I was talking about the big other, it really just means that in like a different sense. It's kind of, the name of the father kind of positions the person within the big other or within culture if that makes any sense um and also actually we'll, we'll get to that in a second what about the the vacuum cleaner i don't i didn't think i didn't really get the vacuum cleaner i find it weird that she's carrying like obviously you could say that she would carry the vacuum cleaner around because that's just what people did in those days and like she wanted to she's being good by sort of like taking basically that's a vacuum cleaner that she her mother would have given her to kind of vacuum clean her own house. Yeah, she's borrowed it. Yeah, she borrowed it and she's taken it back. I'm trying to work out like what other significance that has. And I don't know the fact that she's borrowed it, the fact that she's bringing it back, the fact that it doesn't belong to her, but she carries it around with her all day. Well, part of me thinks that's because I don't know where her mother lived, but she lived in Brooklyn, didn't she? Yeah. So, I mean, it's it would be a nightmare if she had to go all the way home after work then yeah. to pick it up. Then totally, go all the totally. Way back. But then what does that mean in terms of, you know, on a deeper level? Does that, does it mean anything or am I just reading too far into it again? I mean, I think it, I think it's possibly something to do with, you know, domestic, uh, domesticity. domesticity. I can't say that word. Oh. Being domestic and then domestic and her mum's, I mean, if you think about it, all the things, all her, as a woman, these are the things that should be her responsibility. Her child should be her responsibility. Yes. You know, she should own a vacuum. She yeah. should, you know, be making meals for a man and not going to her mother's and, you know, those sorts of things. Okay. Yeah, that sounds that. And I think she's returning. I mean, I don't know, I might be 
talking absolute crap. <laughs> but, you, so keep going. You know, it's but I think good. it's okay. She comes back, she gives the vacuum cleaner and she leaves the child as well. Yeah, yeah, she does. She doesn't speak to the, you know, or even really even acknowledge the child. She does open the door. Yeah, yeah. But that's about it. Um. Okay, and the final time we see her is at church. Yeah, because, and the reason she went to church is because her mother said to her, oh, your father would like you yes. to go and light a candle for him. And also something. because her sister kind of got her to... But do you think, it, do you think I mean, based on your theory, mm. do you think it's it's the dead dad, the guilt of the dead father? I think it's a bit of that, but yeah. I also, I think, that's the thing, I think, I think it's both things. I think she obviously has some guilt towards that, but then I think her, so I think her sister is taking on that role in the same way that um, Pete's brother takes on that role. Mm. There's a really interesting scene in that, that parlor uh, thing where the brother comes in and he says they're dealing with it. And then his mom goes, what did you say? And he goes, I'm taking care of it. Mm. It's kind of like, you know, shifting that responsibility from where it should go. So I think that's kind of what's going on there. But also it's a Catholic, uh, this is why I keep bringing up the name of the father. It's a Catholic um, service, and that's a big thing about the name of the Father, right? When they put the, the thing in your mouth and you open your mouth and they say the name of the Father. The body of Christ. Yeah, that thing. <laughs> <laughs> that thing. That thing, the thing, the, the little paper mache thing that they put in your mouth. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, is there anything else we want to talk about? We've been here for an hour now. No, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good with it. I mean, I, I think the crying baby at the end is kind of yeah. kind of sad well she's left still left holding the baby despite she's left holding the baby despite how good she's been and i think there's another thing one more thing before we finish i think that's ultimately what happens at the end of this episode or the whole course of this episode what we see is that despite how good all three of them have been like dawn um uh peggy and pete they all end up doing things that they don't really want to do. But I think it's more than that. I think they conf- they confront who they truly are. Ooh. I think it's Peggy is a mother. Okay. She is that baby's mother. I think yeah. Don is a basically <laughs> well, he's he, well, not even the flanderer. Even even with the the Mohawk guy, he's he's controlled by Sterling Cooper. He's oh, yeah. he's not free to make his own choices. Yeah. And I think with um, Pete, he's a douchebag. Pete, he's a manipulative yeah, douchebag. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's so. You know, I think um, it's a really, really that's a really complicated episode. I think, but I think it's good for that reason. I quite like it. It's I, lots of twists and turns in it. I missed so much stuff that I literally just didn't pick up on. The next episode, I've picked up on loads of stuff. I haven't even watched the next episode yet. So. <laughs> I've seen it. Um, but yeah, this one was like really, really confusing for me. But you seem to love it. so Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I loved, and just a quick note, I did love all the historical references as well. Like Flight One. Um, so I've actually read, I mean, it was a while ago now, but I actually read a book about Flight One. Because there was actually, I believe, three plane crashes very okay. in very similar ways. All right around that period i think it was like 1960s and 1970s yeah and they all crashed in like quite in a similar right in a similar way and there's um a book where it's about about a bunch of people who basically it's about their lives and then they get on that 
flight and then they all those characters die and then you see the repercussions of their death it's right. quite good so which after the three flights which one was the which one was well, that, flight one was that the that first was one? the first one yeah so that's an interesting other theme as well because i feel like this is the first time don is tempted and that's kind of it's almost like a lift up it's almost like him becoming himself at one point but then crashing and it's a similar thing to flight one um, yeah i mean i i wasn't sure if they were going to reference the other two flights yeah, i'm interested they didn't do that yeah but well it wouldn't have happened yet because that was the first one and oh, there, was, there was years there was years between them oh, okay, okay but it's just interesting that they've sort of chosen that and you know i think there was um about the ticker tape parade wasn't there and yeah, um, so, okay, so I don't, because I, like, that was um, Colonel Glenn, right? So the guy that um, went around the earth three times. I mean, a ticker tape parade is just basically, like, confetti in the streets sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. But I think it's big celebration. But I don't, I don't see why, because I don't see if that's a big thing that, I don't understand the thematic resonance of that. I don't see why it's in this episode. Well, it's just, I think it's just the, the contrast between them contra- them complaining about the traffic because of this ticker tape parade yeah and then you know look at like there's just so much happening in this episode like the celebration there's death there's you know yeah. i don't know maybe <laughs> all right is there anything left to say i don't think there's anything else left all to right say. well um, um let's just say please do send us an email and i guess all that's left to say is uh don't forget everyone Sopranos is better. Every time I say it now, I feel like I don't really mean it. We'll come up with a new one for next week. Tune in next week to hear Fola's new catchphrase. I got a new catchphrase. Let's see what I can come up with. All right. Awesome. See okay, you guys. Bye. Bye.